What's going on, everyone? How's it going out there in podcast land? We are back. Yes, I know it's been a very long, uh, long time since our last episode, but we are back. This is another episode of questions like this. Oh, and this time we are back with a vengeance. We're talking World Cup, baby. We are talking, even though the World Cup ended two weeks ago, and uh, congratulations to France on their victory, by the way. But we are talking World Cup movies right here. We are talking soccer movies specifically. We are talking about a movie. Now, get this, folks. Get this. Listen to this cast right here and tell me if you think it has the makings of a fantastic film. It is Sylvester Stallone, Michael Caine, and Pele. Yeah, we're talking about a movie that... Um, it's one of those movies that I guess most people only see late at night on um, Cinemax or HBO or Showtime. Um, it's uh, it's a movie from uh, one one of the weird eras of Stallone's career. Even though you know it, it came out between the Rocky sequels, but um, it's a classic question mark <laughs> film of. Uh, I guess. Soccer yes. and uh, World War Two, if you can believe it. Of course, we're talking about the John Houston directed Escape to Victory or uh, Victory if you live in North America. Oh, wait a minute. Are we talking about the same John Houston, uh, like Maltese Falcon, uh, African Queen, Red Badge of Courage John Houston? Yeah, if you can believe it, the guy behind cinema classics like uh, Zulu, African Queen, Maltese Falcon, uh, Treasure of Sierra Madre. Uh, late in his career, he directed a movie that, with such an insane premise and <laughs> a cast of uh, some, some uh, you know, some great footballers. And uh, oh, yeah. here we have him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you can't say his uh, you can't say he hasn't had a very uh, varied career. He has, certainly has a very eclectic taste, if you will, when it comes to his choices of movies. Yeah, um, apparently he, John Huston directed uh, a Freud uh, biopic. <laughs> oh wait, no, come on. Yeah. Uh, Are you serious? <laughs> Freud, The Secret Passion came out in 62, just after The Misfits. Huh. Freud, The Secret Passion. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't uh, <laughs> Kind of makes it sound like a porn Freud, but... Um, yeah. The kind of thing you would actually... Uh, on Cinemax... Yeah, or more Max or HBO or one of those other <laughs> Skinamax channels. Skinamax, exactly. But um, yeah, and I guess fun fact, um, he also directed the '82 version of Annie. Uh, ah, the, the the first movie version. Yeah, uh, not wow. the Jamie Fox one. No, 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 not, not the <laughs> Jamie Fox one. Because uh, he was long dead by that point. Yeah. And uh, let's not forget, he directed uh, Prizzy's Honor. That's right. He directed uh, his, his daughter, Angelica, to an Oscar-winning performance. Yeah. 
This was uh this was back in the days when Angelica Houston and Jack Nicholson were an item. That's right. They were together, God, I think for like fifteen years, I yeah. wanna say. They were like they were like the uh it couple of the seventies and eighties. They were one of those couples that you thought like, you know, oh, they're never gonna break up, they're always gonna be together, that kind of thing. Yeah, well, 15 years is a long time in Hollywood for a relationship. So anyway, back to Escape to Victory. Uh, came yes. out in 81, starring Sylvester Stallone, Max von Sydow, uh, Michael Caine, uh, Pele, and a handful of other footballers you might recognize. You know, we've got Ossie Ardiles, uh, Bobby Moore. So Bobby Moore. Uh, uh Casimir, Dana, uh, Werner Rott, and a couple of other footballers were behind the scenes, uh, either coaching or straight up just replacing the actors. Right. Guys like uh, Kevin Beatty uh, stood in for uh, Michael Caine, who, according to all the footballers on set, was fat as shit and couldn't play. And uh, the legendary English goalkeeper, Gordon Banks, um, helped coach uh, Stallone because Stallone, if you could believe it, was the goalie for uh, <laughs> for this uh, this team. Yeah. Uh, Stallone finagles his way into being the goalie for the POW soccer team. That's right. That is right. Hey, 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 you know, I mean, hey, I sure like hit people with my fist, but, you know, it, it's always good to, to, to block the ball, you, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I'm here between these two giant poles and this big net behind me, and, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, I played soccer, you know, I, I just want to go the full 90 minutes. Yeah, it's just, uh, it's just like boxing, you know, you gotta dip a dive, and you gotta, you gotta hit them back with the, with your gloves, and, uh, it's just the same thing. <laughs> it actually doesn't sound that bad in the movie. This was before, no, I he, guess, Botox well, froze his face. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he actually sounds understandable. You can actually understand what he says, because you have to realize, folks, with all that Botox that's uh, permeating his face right now, he's kind of developed his own uh, language. It's called uh, Stallone. Yeah. And not even not even Stallone's, just Stallone. It's just Stallone, man. <laughs> no, like, no flair. <laughs> no flair. It's like the tongue is trying to the tr the tongue is trying to move, but with all that Botox and all that plastic surgery, uh, it's. <laughs> let's just say it's uh, it's resisting yeah so anyway the movie so basically it kind of starts out uh, how do you expect like a world war ii uh escape movie would start you know there's it's it's a it's a pow camp at night um mm -hmm. there there's those dogs uh, the german shepherds uh nazis yeah. patrolling and then uh, one of the prisoners tried to escape, but then just immediately gets uh, shot to hell by <laughs> the Germans. <laughs> yeah, kind of gives you an idea of what we're uh, what we're in for for the film. But it's weird because 
Houston tries to confuse you right away because right after this guy gets shot and killed, you've got sweeping orchestral music over the opening credits. Yeah, it just cuts to like daytime and there's like all these planes flying in V formation because, you know, if you don't get it, V for victory, I guess. And oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then the cast trying- members' names, you know, start flashing on the screen. Uh, Stallone, Michael Caine, uh, Pele, uh, Max von Sydow. And you start thinking like... Pele, Max von Sydow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, what am I in for? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So Stallone, uh, he... So the entire movie, he, he gets referred to as a Yank, but um, given the maple leaf on his hat, you'd expect him to be Canadian. But uh, <laughs> somehow they justify it by him being uh, an American who is serving with a Canadian army, which, yeah, like that did happen for some of the people who were extra uh, gung-ho about um, joining the military in the early stages of the war, but... Mm-hmm. It seems like it's a it's a <laughs> after the fact justification because Stallone, uh, I think as we mentioned, he he can only uh, he can only do his own voice. That's true. I mean, it, God, it'd be so weird to hear him even <laughs> attempt a Canadian accent. It's like you know, you know, I just want to go the distance, eh? Yeah. Um, I can't even imagine what um, what they tried before uh, the director and um, everyone else on set just said, you know what, um, we'll fix this. We'll fix this. Uh, we'll fix this. We'll, we'll, fix, we'll fix it. We'll fix it. Yeah. Uh, just like when uh, Tom Cruise was in Valkyrie. I'm sure he tried a German accent at first, but I'm sure Brian Singer just said, you know what, Tom, just just do your own voice. You don't yeah. need to do an accent. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's that's Stallone's character, um, Captain Robert Hatch of the Canadian Army. But yes. <laughs> uh, Michael Caine plays Captain John Colby, who before the war uh, played for West Ham United, uh, the Irons. The Hammers, the Hammers, ugh. And I apologize to any West Ham fans who may be uh, watching this right now, but I have to say your team is shit. Yeah, it's uh, it's not been a particularly hot <laughs> league for uh, West Ham this year. No, they, they finished what like fifteenth, sixteenth overall. Thirteenth. Um, oh, thirteenth. Okay, so they uh, managed to stay out of the relegation zone for this year, anyway. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which you know we've mentioned Bobby Moore is in this movie. Um, he's uh, one of the all-time uh, West Ham players. He was also part of the 66 uh, World Cup winning team. That's right. That is right. So, ah, oh God, we just insulted the the legend Bobby Moore. Yeah. Or at, r- rather, I did. So I, I apologize, uh, Bobby Moore. May he rest in peace. Absolute legend. Well, I mean, uh, West Ham now is... Uh, it's quite oh. far removed from West Ham then. Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> that's very true. I guess when uh, Michael Caine, I guess they, when they put him in a West Ham shirt, they said, oh, West Ham meant being a good thing back then. Yeah. Um, like the, the years when Manchester United didn't win everything in sight. 
Oh no, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. So uh, in the POW camp, uh, Colby keeps up uh, his uh, love for uh, footy. He's uh, <laughs> he's holding some matches between the players and uh, Max von Sydow. Uh, you know, Major Max von Sydow of the SS like watches this <laughs> happening, and he's like, "Hmm, what if we're to play an exhibition match?" Um, you know, the allies against the German team, part of a oh, propaganda it, it, stunt. It would be strictly for propaganda, of course. And, uh, of course, you know, we want to take revenge against the English. They beat us in the last World Cup. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I did watch this movie recently, but, uh, I, I didn't recognize Max von Sydow cause, um, I know what he was doing at this point in his career, but like he had a mustache on, and I was like, "Wait, that's Max von Sydow." <laughs> you have to understand, man, that in the seventies and eighties, Max von Sydow was like the go-to villain for yeah. everything. Yeah. Um, what else was he a villain? Uh, well, Ming the Merciless. Ming the Merciless. Uh, uh, he was in a. Three Days of the Condor with Robert Redford. Yeah. Um, he was in Never Say Never Again. Oh, God. He was a Bond. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, God. Um, he was in Conan the Destroyer for some reason. We know why. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, he was in he was in that Dune movie with David Lynch. Um, yeah, oh, he was in Dune. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Ah, and so began the uh, illustrious uh, partnership with David Lynch and Kyle MacLachlan. <laughs> illustrious, sure. <laughs> illustrious. Oh, I mean, le- legendary. Yeah. Legendary. Well, I mean, come on. Um, Twin Peaks came out of that as well. Yes, of of course. And every time, I'm pretty sure if I walk to a, if I see Kyle McLaughlin on the street right now, I'm just gonna look at a, look at him and say like, you know, mm, damn fine cup of coffee. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he's he's he hasn't gotten tired of that. <laughs> no, he has because they had a revival of it. They brought it back. Yeah, that's true. Was it? So I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure 25 years after the original show was over. He's just like, yeah, you know what? Why not? Um, hey, might as well embrace it, right? Exactly. Um, and yeah, I guess we'll we'll go back to uh, embracing your past later on in the podcast when we talk about uh, Michael Caine in a little bit more detail. But um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, okay. So aside from uh, Major von Sydow, uh, which is not that far removed from the character's name, who's uh, Major Carl von Steiner, um, there's <laughs> also Major, yeah, just call Major von Sydow. There, there's there's a classic, I guess, uh, other Nazi villain, which is the guy with the eye patch. Um, <laughs> is that is that still like a prerequisite? For every movie involving Nazis, one guy has to have an eye patch. Yeah, I guess you know. I mean, there's the Hogan's Heroes guy. Um, I well, he wasn't a Nazi, but uh, still a villain. Uh, the guy from Rocky and Bullwinkle. <laughs> you mean Fearless Leader? Yeah. 
God damn it, De Niro. What were you thinking when you signed on for that? Yeah. Um, man, that was a that was a weird one. That came out, what, 99, 98? 99, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Who the fuck even remembers Rocky and Bullwinkle in like 99? I do. Yeah. I remember it very well. I think I yeah. actually saw it in theater. I mean, like... I, I did watch that movie, but, like, I, I didn't watch the cartoons before that. <laughs> oh, I, oh, they were great. I yeah. used to watch them all the time. They were fantastic. I think we're, they were on a, a cartoon network every so often would yeah. play one. Probably. Or um, was Boomerang out yet? Probably not. It, it, no, it was. It was? It was in the, in the late 90s. Yeah, that's when they first started. Okay. Um... Yeah, aside from, um, I don't even think the eye patch guy had a name. But anyway, um, no, you know, there's other classic uh, uh, Nazi prison camp characters. You know, you got you got the British uh, military uh, playing cards. Um, you know, saying things like, "Hmm, Kobe, I saw you were talking to Jerry the other day." Um, is he interested in having an exhibition match? Hmm, London won't be happy with this. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm very sure London will be happy about this, but I'm still not con- convinced. We haven't got a proper team out there. Yeah. So um, <laughs> eventually, uh, they do manage to build a team starring uh, Trinidadian uh, Pele. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's wrong? John Houston couldn't find Brazil on a map. Yeah. Either that, or again, it's probably because like. Uh, they didn't want to uh, have Pele uh, attempt a Trinidadian accent. Oh my god! So then, why make him from Trinidad if he's just no going to use his natural Brazilian voice? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> you know what? Um, I think they're just happy to have Pele and all these other football greats on <laughs> in the film. Yeah. Well, to their credit, I, I know they made Pele Trinidadian. I know they made uh, Bobby Moore Irish, but. Yeah. They kept Ozzy Ardiles as Argentinian. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and Casimir Dana also uh, remained Polish. Um, uh, I think I think one of the uh, one of the uh, Danish or Norwegian players uh, <laughs> remained Danish, um, or or somewhere on in Scandinavia. Um, I'm pretty sure after the main after the main guys, they're just like you know, okay, you represent all your uh, respective nationalities. Yeah. I mean, Kevin O'Callaghan also stayed Irish, so there you go. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, all this time, concurrently, while Stallone is desperately trying to get on the on the soccer team, and when, when I say desperately, I mean freaking, like, almost on his knees begging Michael Caine to be a part of the team. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, I mean, you know, he, he also does like the the nagging thing, where he's like, "Well, I don't want to be in your team anyway. So, so oh. we play, you know, different kind of football back home." Different kind of football back home. Yeah, uh, he takes the definition of a uh, tackling a little bit uh, too seriously. Like he's going, 
he's going after them like uh, like Ray Lewis instead yeah. of John Terry. Like a fucking lineman. And he gets yeah. chewed out by uh, Michael Caine in the movie. It's like, <laughs> what the <laughs> bloody hell do you think you're doing? You can't be tackling like that. This is soccer. You, do, you pull any more of that yank stuff and I'll have you off the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> and he goes off the pitch anyway. And he goes off the pitch anyway, because of course. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, while, while he's doing this, He's also working with the uh, British uh, POWs playing cards to uh, formulate formulate an escape. And, of course, you know, you have the requisite uh, POW guys. You have the forger. You have the tailor. You have the uh, – you have pretty much – you have the, uh, like the leader. You have this guy. You have that guy. And they give Stallone the idea or they give him the plan to sneak – into Paris and contact the French resistance. Yeah. Um, it's weird, you know, cause like, uh, he's talking about his plan and he's ba- he's basically, uh, 90% of the way there. And then the British guys playing cards are saying, well, have you considered passing through Paris? And he's like, I don't know anyone in Paris. <laughs> what am I going to do in Paris? <laughs> Your Stallone sounds like he's uh, just got just got back from the ranch. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, but this, yeah, this isn't, <laughs> this isn't rhinestone Stallone. This is Escape from Victory Stallone. That's true. Um, rhinestone, also another uh, interesting era Stallone. It's the it's the movie <clears throat> he did with Dolly Parton, if you can believe it. A movie he actually wrote, not directed, but actually wrote. A uh, movie that won several uh, prestigious awards, including five Razzies, I believe. Uh, yes, I, I believe so. But what a combination. <laughs> and this is and this is the year after he directed the Saturday Night Fever sequel. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. Uh, Staying Alive, wasn't it? Stay, staying Alive, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, St- Stallone, man. Uh, it's... Come on, you're you're between Rocky sequels. You're basically set. <laughs> he was between Rocky and Rambo sequels. Yeah. Well, this uh, so, this was uh, eighty one. That's uh, just before First Blood, I believe. Yeah, it came out the year before First Blood. Yeah, man. But man, Dolly Parton and <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. I mean, folks. <laughs> Just Google the poster. It's quite, it's quite something else. Uh, yeah, you got Stallone posing like he eventually would for when he did Over the Top. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you got Dolly Parton smiling all nice and pretty like that. Yeah, uh, who who released that? I, I want to know what what studio released Fox. that. Oh my god. Oh my god! Oh, they were flush with Star Wars money. Of course, they would yeah. release something like that. <laughs> they they were insane with uh, the the Star Wars toy money. That's right. That they're continuing to milk off of for the last forty so years. Yeah. Well, I guess all that money is going to Disney now. Well, yeah, that's kind of true. And George Lucas got paid his $4 billion to just sit at Skywalker Ranch. Yeah. God bless you, George Lucas, for um, 
for giving us uh, classic yeah. characters like Jar Jar Binks and uh, Watto. Uh, yes, thank you, <laughs> th- th- thank you, George Lucas. To thank you, uh, you're uh, two incredible racial stereotypes. You're a real bastion of diversity, there, George. <laughs> Yeah, I think I mentioned this in the Star Wars episode, but um, I, I, I'm a hundred percent sure that uh, the Lupita Nyong'o character that spoke in like a Chinese accent only existed yeah. because George was like, hey, uh, "JJ, I like the script, but uh, it needs a little uh, needs a little something." It's like, "Oh God, George, no, please!" It's, it's no. like stop. It's like stop talking, stop talking. So what if? Uh, what if it's an alien, but she's Chinese? <laughs> well, she'll be back in episode nine. I guess so. Um, yeah. And um, I guess it's uh, it's filming right now. So um, I'm, I'm eagerly awaiting if any of my fan fiction comes true. <laughs> I will personally fly to uh, to wherever you are and buy you several drinks. Hell yeah, man! Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, yeah. Check out our Star Wars episode. We we talk a lot about fandom, uh, which which Star Wars movies suck and which ones rule. That's right. That's right. It kind of gives you. Uh, a taste of not only our own fandom, but how we kind of separate ourselves from the supreme hardcore, uh, absolute crazy nuts fans out there who thinks like Star Wars run their entire life. Yeah, it's like the guys that um, uh, harass Ryan Johnson or uh, Kelly Marie Tran for. Yeah. I don't know. I, I like it's sure like probably uh, Rose isn't the best character, but it, let's let's be honest. Um, Star Wars was made for children. Um, you're taking a, a, a movie too seriously. Exactly. And just because, you know, J.J. Abrams and George Lucas wouldn't publish your uh, your fanfic that you wrote when you were 10 years old doesn't mean you have to criticize every aspect yeah of uh, of last jedi yeah you know just uh, sit back relax and enjoy the john williams music yes just just sit back and enjoy <laughs> yeah i mean it, it, as bad as like you know, I thought uh, Force Awakens was or like um, the prequels, like just listening to that in a theater was just enough. Exactly. You know, it, it pull, tugs right on your heartstrings. Yeah. Um, anyway. Oh, speaking of music, uh, Escape to Victory has a <laughs> it's it's got a rather interesting uh way in which it uses a film score so what so whatever there's like all these uh f- footy footage uh which uh uh i'm gonna be honest here it's beautifully shot by the cinematographer uh, gary fisher um 
it's it's quoting from like Shostakovich, I think the Leningrad Symphony, and um, mm-hmm. the score is adapted um, and I guess built around by Bill Conti, who you might recognize from uh, Rocky. That's right. He created the iconic Rocky theme. He also created the music for uh, The Right Stuff and The Karate Kid. Yeah. Um, but it is a little uh, jarring when uh, it gets to the scene where um, uh, uh, the POW team, they're, they're like stretching and uh, like doing these warm ups. And it's just like, like basically like a march. <laughs> it, it really is. And when you can't create your own music, oh, that's fine. Just steal from somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> make, sure, make sure the audience doesn't notice. Yeah. Um, among other things, there's also scenes where uh, Pele's uh, bouncing the football, and you know he's still he's still in great shape. Um, this is uh, '80s, just after his like Cosmos time. That's right. Uh, he was on that legendary uh, 1978 New York uh, Cosmos team that won the North American uh, Soccer League. Yeah. And I think Bobby Moore was also on that team. Yeah, I think so, too. But uh, don't quote us on that. <laughs> no, no, please don't quote us on that. Yeah, oh, there's uh, footage of Pele bouncing uh, the football. Um, uh, someone who's obviously not Michael Caine playing soccer. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, because as I mentioned earlier, the footballers were constantly laughing at Michael Caine because he was fat as shit. Yeah, their words, not mine. Yeah, yeah. This was uh, this was not a Zulu Michael Caine. This was um, well on his way to Alfred Michael Caine. Uh, yes, with a little bit of a Jaws four on yeah. the horizon. <laughs> wow. He was in Jaws 4, shit. He was in Jaws 4. You know why he was in Jaws 4? Please, do tell. <laughs> <laughs> because he had no choice. Taxes in the UK were so high under the Thatcher period that he had no choice but to uh, but to star in all these like schlock films just to pay off his, uh, his taxes. And that's why he was in Jaws 4. He couldn't even pick up his Oscar... For Hannah and her sisters, because he was working on Jaws 4. <laughs> and uh, Jaws 4, folks, this is the one where the shark roared. Uh, yes, the tagline, you know, this time, it's personal. <laughs> As if it wasn't personal the other three fucking times. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Jeez. Holy shit. With a stunning 0% on Rotten Tomatoes, it, it's definitely considered the worst of the quadrilogy. Yeah, it's um it's a masterpiece in shitty cinema. Uh yes, where the shark actually follows the Brody family from Martha's Vineyard all the way to the Bahamas. <laughs> oh man. Uh <laughs> Michael Caine, man. Uh, I'm glad. I'm glad you eventually turned it around. Uh, yes, thank God. But um, there was a lot of uh, it was kind of touch and go in the '80s for Michael Caine. 
Yeah. I mean, he had some some very high highs, but also some ooh incredibly low lows. Yeah. Um, but we'll talk about this later. But um, he 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 eventually picked it back up with uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. That's right. Yes. Came out in '92. But um, yeah, we'll 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 definitely talk about um, Michael Caine's post uh, Escape to Victory career in in a bit more yeah. detail. Um, yeah, at this point in the movie, you know, um, Hatch, uh, kind of succeeds in his, uh, escape attempt. Uh, he's, uh, convinced by the card playing British, uh, officers to go to Paris. Um, but not before, uh, he helps Colby, uh, get some players from, uh, the Eastern front, uh, prison camps and um it's a bit of a nice touch in the movie for them to get like uh poles ukrainians and uh russians check. to join and check uh to join the team um particularly because when we talk about the inspiration behind this movie we'll we'll say why that's important but um yeah you know these are these are guys who are not in peak uh, condition because if you know your World War II history, basically, well, one, uh, Ukrainians survived uh, the Holodomor. Uh, Stalin basically starved the Ukraine in the 30s. And then also, mm-hmm. all the prison camps in the Eastern Front were basically death camps. Pretty much, yeah. So, the, entire yeah. E- the entire Eastern Front was pretty decimated by this point. Yeah. Um, although the movie is kind of vague when exactly it's set, and that's probably why they had uh, Pele as Trinidadian as well, because I don't think Brazil joined until way late in the war, at least in the European theater. And also True. why uh, Stallone is <laughs> playing a Canadian, because, um, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, vagueness aside, so, yeah, right. <laughs> um, eventually Hatch escapes... Uh, and uh, goes to Paris to try to find the French resistance. Um, yeah, um, uh, you know, uh, Stallone's French, not great, but you know what? Um, he was convincing enough that the Nazi at the train station let him go to Strasbourg, so there you have it. There you have it. Uh, now, imagine combining that, combining uh, a French with a... Stallone's, he's like, you know, Oh my god, that's perfect. That's yeah. perfect right there. <laughs> so yeah. he finally gets to Paris, he meets the French resistance including the only female character in the entire movie, because, of course, there has to be a, a, a semi-pseudo love interest in this. Yeah, um, I, w- I was confused why she's in the movie at all, because, uh, well, I mean, I guess if they're going to go with all the classic World War II tropes, then um, French Resistance Woman would be a, a huge part of that uh, uh, repertoire. I, I guess, but was... I don't think John Hughes was trying to create the uh, 
the magic and the chemistry between Humphrey Bogart and Mary Astor from Maltese Falcon. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, the whole scene between uh, Captain Hatch and Renee is just... Because, of course, her name's Renee. It's weird, you know? I mean, like, Sly's just, like, relentlessly hitting on her, and she's, like, playing coy and, like, uh, mostly indifferent and disinterested. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, you, you know, it's like the classic. She's like, no, I can't, I can't take, like, uh, I can't know a thing about you. Uh, then I would have to worry. And it's just like, they have I, to worry. Wha- no, I, he's what? like, trying to, he's like, he's, like, he's trying to introduce himself. I was like, hey, I'm, I'm Captain Robert Hatch. My friends call me Hatch. He's like, no, I can't, I can't know your name because now I will worry about you. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, after that weird uh, interlude, uh, <laughs> the French resistance, while reluctant at first, realized that the, uh, the match is going to take place at the Stade de Colombe, which is one of the oldest and most uh, respected uh, stadiums in the whole of France. And they realized that they can actually... Uh, they can actually help the allies uh, escape through the uh, through the sewer system that's connected to their locker. Yeah. Um, also, fun fact: uh, Stade de Colombe was uh, the site of the '38 uh, World Cup final. That's right. Um, that's right. And also the home of the 1924 uh, Olympics. If you want to know uh, more about that, go watch the movie *Chariots of Fire*. Yeah. Um, it's got that, it's got that classic, uh, song by, uh, Vangeli. You'd recognize it, folks. Yeah. It's been parodied in like every cartoon that's come out after that movie. <laughs> so it's also been the go-to music for every triumphant moment that's happened in the history of ever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so of course, uh, the French resistance, uh, having discovered that they can, uh, help the, uh, soccer POWs escape, um, they convince a very reluctant, uh, Hatch to be recaptured, who is like, it took me a year to get out, I don't want to go back. Uh, I don't want to go back, you know, I mean... I, I want to come and stay here. I want to stay here with you guys. I want to go back home, you know? Yeah. But <laughs> So eventually he does go back and is immediately put in solitary confinement. Yeah, he and got, got put in the hot box. The hot box. And Colby is begging with the Germans to try and release him. So he's they can't go without him, but they say, you know, oh, you've already got a goalie. So, and Colby, in his infinite wisdom, uh, decides to break the arm of their current goalkeeper uh, just so Stallone can have more screen time. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, 
you know, it grabs his goalie, and it's just it's like, I'm, I'm sorry. It's just like close up of Michael Kane's face as like the goalie's arm gets broken, and like the camera uh, zooms in and then pans away. It's just, wow, that's right. It, it pans away just like just as quickly as like, and the guy, you know, <laughs> probably one of, probably the bravest guy there. He just says like, you know, like just make sure it's a clean break. Yeah. And it's just like, pop, ah, you hear the scream. And then we immediately cut to them going on their, uh, on the bus that leads to the train that gets them to, to France. Yeah. Um, which apparently the whole time, uh, Sly is trying to understand what a, <laughs> what a corner is and where he's supposed to be in that case. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hey, you know, uh, wh- where do I stand for a for a corner? Like, where do I stand for a corner? And he will not shut up about this. It's like yeah. every five minutes. It's like the adult equivalent of, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Yeah. Come to think of it, I I don't know why that bit of dialogue was in the movie. <laughs> uh, I guess they were looking for more. Uh, banter between sly and michael kane sure (laughs) i mean because yeah because why not you know it's only your two lead actors so why not have them share more scenes together even if they don't have any natural chemistry on screen yeah (laughs) um and i gotta address this before we go uh before we go on to the big uh the big game at the end of the movie but um while Stallone was gone, obviously, you know, um, the prisoners got a cover for him, at least for a little while before they, uh, before the Nazis discover that he's gone. But, um, so they opted to, the prisoners opted to construct a really badly painted, uh, paper mache head of Stallone <laughs> Um, I, I suppose, uh, that is probably like the best they could do in a prison camp if it was real, but holy shit, this is the shittiest looking fucking, like, it doesn't even look like a real person. I don't know. Like, yeah, I guess Nazis are incredibly stupid because they only realized in the movie when, um, they made the prisoners all stand up in a line and um, the person holding up the fake Stallone head accidentally dropped it. <laughs> and by the time the, uh, by the time the German soldiers leave, they're all just like, they're all just laughing their asses off. Yeah. <laughs> we're just like, holy shit. I can't believe we got away with that. Yeah. And don't, aren't they supposed to be doing that? Like, you know, like roll call like three times a day. Yeah. Three times a day, and like for how long? Like Stallone was out. It's like, wow, this is. <laughs> <laughs> it's like great. Uh, <laughs> wow. I mean, look. I know Stallone's performance is considered wooden in the in the past and in the future, but come on, you don't have to make an actual representation of his wooden performance. <laughs> Or do you? I don't know. I guess. I guess so. 
Anyway, uh, it's time. It's time for the big match, which the big footy match. You know, uh, the POWs realize that obviously this is a propaganda match, and um, they will be imprisoned again following the match. But um, Hatch relays the French resistance's message, and um, they're they're pretty much all set to go at halftime, and then. You know, the match finally begins. Uh, predictably, yes. it's not going as so hot for the Allies. At the end of the first half, they're 4-1. Lots of terrible performances from the goalkeeper. <laughs> oh, and oh, you gotta love the uh, you gotta love the uh, the British announcer calling this, who's wearing a swastika and is piping in fake crowd noise for every German score. Yeah, it's like after the first goal, um, you know, it's like. You know, the crowd's going wild. And then he presses a machine. <laughs> it's a canned applause. It's like... <sighs> yeah. So uh, so they get into the, the locker room at halftime. And, uh, you know, the escape is set. The uh, floor of the uh, tub, the hot tub, gives way. And they're all set to go. And they're just about at their, uh, their destination when uh, one of the players, played by Russell Osman says like you know hang on you know we can win this we can beat these guys you know we're we're only down four one you know we we can come back and we can we can win this at this point it just turns up into a straight you know sports movie cliche right here like a la you know karate kid and miracle yeah you know it's like um rocky's on the ropes and he's like you gotta get back out there rock you can't you can't let him do this rock I was like, oh, oh, no, you know, we're down 4-1 and a half. Is, uh, can't, can't win this thing. <laughs> you got to do it, Rock. You got to get back out there for your team. You're going to save the ball. And when you're out there, you're going to eat lightning and crap thunder all over the pitch. <laughs> and you're going to win. You're going to win for your country. And you're going to do it because Mickey loves you. You can't let, you can't let the Nazis win, Rock. <laughs> I can just imagine they brought in Burgess Meredith to, like, to stand off to the side and yeah. just say like you know like okay Sly here's what the scene entails and this is what you gotta do and uh, you, you gotta do it this way yeah <laughs> it's time to, yeah. they gotta hurt you they're gonna hurt your appointment rock <laughs> <laughs> they, they're gonna go for the body rock <laughs> But you gotta make it through, Rock. <laughs> um, <laughs> so anyway, they do go back out, and of course, they start scoring with goals from uh, from Bobby Moore, from Ozzy Ardiles, and of course, uh, uh, Pele with his now legendary bicycle kick, which is so incredible uh, that they showed it not only from five different angles. But they also showed it in slow motion. Yeah, you thought we were kidding uh, when we said, like, there's some great uh, football footage. But, yeah, (laughs) Gary (laughs) Fisher went all out, you know. (laughs) You know what? Good for him. Good for him, man. Yeah. Yeah, that bicycle kick by uh, Pele. Um, Incredible. It really is. It's the stuff of, it's almost like art. Like you could take a picture of that and frame it in the Louvre. 
that's how beautiful it is. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's a still of like Pele doing the bicycle kick and it's in like some dude's apartment and it's like, yes, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's art, bro. It's, it's, it's art, man. It's art. Yeah. Yeah. I never heard of Pele, dude. Oh man. He's a ledge, bro. You know, I have to say, this is brilliant right here. Absolutely fucking brilliant. Now, I don't know, man. Maybe I'm a little bit stoned, but this guy's a fucking legend. <laughs> it, it's like it's like all those guys that had posters of Marley on the on the wall on their walls in college yeah. and couldn't name a single song. It's uh, it's always like Bob Marley or Scarface. Or, um, I guess this was more recent, but yeah, fight club, but like more recently, like 300. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. So they managed to tie up the score. And of course, you know, the last minute comes down to the dreaded penalty kick. And of course, all eyes. All eyes are on Stallone, and the German kicks the ball. The German uh, Werner Roth, legendary German player, he saves, and Stallone somehow saves the ball, and the game is over, and the crowd starts cheering. And then they they rush the field, and that's how they escape. Yeah. Um, Crowd goes apeshit. Technically, the POW team was supposed to win. Um, one of the goals was blatantly disallowed by the quote-unquote neutral referees. Um, but yeah, <laughs> they ended up, yes. uh, you know, uh, Stallone ends up making that critical save and uh, forced the Germans to a draw. That's right. That is right. And they win. And Are they... They don't win. They tie, but they got the moral victory, and they uh, they escape in the throng of the uh, the crowd, but not before uh, Stallone hooks up again with uh, with Renee. Yeah, um, man. Well, also like at the beginning of the match, like um, what is it? Uh, like Renee sends her like son. To like give yeah, flowers her to uh, Stallone, and it's like that's the code for like yeah, the the French resistance are working on it. It's like like it will happen at halftime. Yeah, and then it, yeah, I'm pretty sure that <laughs> I'm pretty sure that voice was dubbed, but still. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> it's just some Hungarian <laughs> kid that they found off the street, and it's just like hey. You want, um, I don't know what the currency was in uh, Hungary at the time, but it's like, hey, you want some money? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) So, yes, and that is the movie right there. And if you can believe it, it's actually based on a true story. Yeah. um, Although it obviously did not take place in uh, the Western Front, uh, the true story is something called the Death Match. Uh, 
It happened mm-hmm. in the Reich's Commissariat, Ukraine, which was what Ukraine was called under Nazi occupation, um, starring the professional players of Dynamo Kiev and Lokomotiv Kiev. Uh, That's right. Oddly uh, representing uh, Bread Factory Number 1 at this point in their life. Um, yes. Otherwise known as uh, FC Start. Uh, they played uh, several matches against the German team, and unlike the movie, uh, they beat them all—all all the matches against Germany. They—they they did. Yes, congratulations! And then they were immediately sent to death camps. Yeah, um, they either died in uh, Gestapo jail or they died in concentration camps. But there were a couple that uh, there were a couple that lived to see the end of the war, and through Stalin's uh, regime, some even moved to uh, different countries after it was over. This actually became the uh, the inspiration for a bunch of films that took place afterwards. Not just this one, but one of its major influences was uh, the movie *The Longest Yard*, launching the career of the one and only uh, Burt Reynolds and his legendary mustache. Yeah, um, there was also a more uh, accurate, uh, well, I guess not necessarily accurate, but a more, I guess, true to life uh, version called Two Half Times in Hell came out in 62. It's a Hungarian film. Um, after In the 2000s, apparently, there's, mm-hmm. um, there's a couple of books about it. And um, in, I guess we all know that the Longest Yard eventually inspired a couple of versions of their own. Um, there was the 2001 Mean Machine starring Vinnie mm-hmm. Jones. Um, another uh, another crossover. Yeah, who could basically lead that team? Yeah, absolutely. Who could actually knock you out with a single stare if he wanted to? Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, Mean Machine, kind of a, a bit of a reunion of some, uh, yeah. Guy Ritchie folks, too. Um, and then there was the, uh, oh, absolutely. I think it was, uh, Jason Statham was in that, Jason yeah. Fleming was in that. Yeah, <laughs> everyone, uh, everyone basically from, uh, Block, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch. Yeah, except the one guy that says, like, you know, no, I'll feed him to the fucking pigs. And uh, <laughs> do you know what nem do you know what nemesis means? <laughs> <laughs> I swear if if he would have been the coach for that uh that movie, that would have made all the difference. Yeah. Holy shit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but instead we got the Adam Sandler remake of The Longest Yard because reasons, and we discuss it more in our uh, Adam Sandler-inspired episode uh, on why he get he keeps getting work. Yeah, um, God. Uh, yeah, what the hell is wrong with you, Adam? <laughs> oh my God! I mean. I, I don't know, you know. I mean, I, I was given this this big contract by by Netflix, and they they paid me all the money, and 
and all that. Hey, what, what do you expect from me? You know, I, I, and I keep continuing to make films and all of that. That is the poorest attempt at an Adam Sandler accent. Yeah. By the way, I apologize <laughs> on behalf of uh, comedians and impressionists uh, anywhere. No one should ever have to hear that in person. <laughs> oh man. Um, well, it is. Um, it, it takes a bit of effort to do the uh, um, the, the the Sandler affect, as it were. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, when he when he's talking a gibberish and is talking like a kid, you know that that's easy. Yeah. But when he's actually talking as himself, which is rare, but <laughs> <laughs> oh man, a little bit more difficult. Yes. Yeah. Um, Longest so, yeah. Yard also inspired an Egyptian movie called Captain Masser. Um, haven't seen it, so I'm not going to say a lot about it, but I guess it's mostly the same looking at the poster. Um, they're all wearing prison jumpsuits and uh, chain links on their uh, ankles. So, uh-huh. yeah, I'm going to say it's, uh, it's uh, yeah, about prisoners playing football to... Uh, Escape. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Good. uh, Yeah. Good for them. Yep. Um, Let's see. I don't know what else we can add about Escape to Victory in particular. Um, But Um, yeah, Michael Caine, man. This is. um, This was before his. well, I guess now he's mostly known for Alfred and um, uh, a frequent collaborator of uh, Chris Nolan. But um, That's right. Yeah, I guess this was a bit of a transition period for him. This was after A Bridge Too Far. Um, and a uh, like man who would be king. Yeah, Italian job, obviously. Get Carter, yeah. Yeah. Th- th- this was still during Michael Caine's... Uh, Heyday, when he still uh, talked like this, yeah. but before he before he won his Oscar, and before he did uh, shit films, and before he yeah. got older and started doing the, the Batman Alfred voice yeah. in it, in which he spoke very, very slowly. Yeah, Master Bruce, I can't, oh. I can't, let, I can't see you do this to yourself. Your parents uh, would like, wouldn't like this, Master Bruce. You can't fatten uh, yourself up, Master Bruce, and be Dick Cheney, Master Bruce. <laughs> I, I won't do it, Master Bruce. I, I, I won't bury another Batman. I, I mean, I won't bury another... <laughs> I, bury I won't bury another Wayne. <laughs> another Wayne. I, I, I won't do it. I'll fail you, Master Bruce. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's... Now he's taking roles of a, uh, uh, you know, dirty old man, just saying like, you know, oh fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's what he did in uh, Kingsman, right? Um. Like- oh, that's right. He was supposed to be this very, very posh, dignified uh, uh, head of this uh, secret uh, government organization, but. By the end, you know, when he's killed, it's revealed. He goes like, you know, you dirty fucker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, he, he, I mean, uh, he's also cast as like the requisite old man in a movie. So obviously, they're in the Prestige, um, Inception, Interstellar. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what was that movie he did with the? Uh... Uh, Morgan Freeman and Alan Arkin was like going in style. Is oh, that it? Oh fuck! Yeah, I think. Why? Why would you? Why would you do that? I, you know what? Uh, he's free to take uh, whatever role uh, it tickles his fancy, I guess. But goddamn, sure. sure, sure. But why would you willingly work for someone like Zach Braff? You know what? That is a that is a very good question. <laughs> I feel like Zach Braff, who, while talented, yes, I feel like he's one of those guys where it's like, you know, I want my uh, I want my art to speak for me, like like one of those guys, you know. Yeah, um, Zach Braff like, also at one of his recent projects is um, a guy who does podcasts and. Um, He's stealing podcasting valor, man. We're not okay with that. No, no, we're not. Yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a weird thing too, where he's like, um, I was like, um, yeah, I want to, like, I'm doing a podcast because uh, I have something to say. You know, it's like it really changed lives, as opposed to people who actually start podcasts is because um, we like the sound of our own voices and. Um, Yes. Uh, we have we too like, much free time after work. Uh, th that's true, and we like uh, we like being snooty and uh, pretentious when talking about uh, other people's work. <laughs> yeah, or I guess if you're a stand-up comic now, it's an uh, obligation for you to have a podcast. I know, like, that some friends of mine are like in, in New York and LA. It's like, yeah, every fucking comic now has a, their own podcast for whatever reason no they do i mean i know you guys are trying to be like you know mark Marin or Patton noswalt but it ain't gonna happen yeah um that being said um yeah michael kane man um he's got a lot of great roles in his life you know he did, um featured in that trailer for interstellar re reading that dylan thomas poem uh mm -hmm. Nigel Powers and Goldmember. That's another uh, standout role, I guess. <laughs> it's like, your spy car's a mini. It's not the size, mate. It's how you use it. <laughs> oh, man. But um, I think uh, Alex and I, we both agree that out of all of Michael Caine's uh, oeuvre, I think we're, we're we're partial to Muppet Christmas Carol, where he played yes. uh, the best Ebenezer Scrooge. He really did, and it's a movie that you know it gets you right in the feels. You know, it's ah, oh, God, it's such a fantastic, fantastic film. It's one of those films that you know, like yes, you know, it's it's very comedic, and everything because it's got has the Muppets and everything, but. You know, it's the classic uh, Christmas Christmas uh, Carol story. It's told very beautifully. Yeah, um, 
Yeah, it's a movie that um, on paper probably sounds kind of terrible, but it is. It's much better than it ought to be. (laughs) (laughs) It it is. It is. And if you haven't seen it yet, I implore you, you know, at least see it. If not now, then during the holidays. Yeah. um, Yeah, the the Muppet movies... um, like you know Muppet Christmas Carol Muppet Treasure Island even the original Muppet movie um they're great movies um they are uh man when I was a kid I used to watch fucking Muppet Treasure Island and Muppet Christmas Carol like probably once a week oh me too it was Muppet Treasure Island and then when Muppets from Space yeah yeah yeah. I started watching that all the time as well that was Oh, that was perfect, right there. I think I still remember some of the songs that they uh, that they did. But Muppet Treasure Island introduced me to Tim Curry, and I've been a fan ever since. Yeah. Um, what's uh what's some of the songs? Uh, Cabin Fever, uh, Shiver My Timbers. Oh uh, uh, yes. Boom Shakalaka. <laughs> yes, I remember that one. Um. Yeah, I guess because um, everyone was also trying to get that uh, Disney dollar. Um, a lot of a lot of kids' movies were musicals for, for better or worse. <laughs> I th- I think, the, with the exception of movies like you know, Mighty Ducks and The Sandlot, I think every kids' film had to include at least one musical number. Yeah. Oh, you know who else was in Muppet Treasure Island? Uh, Billy Connolly. Billy Connolly, yes, he was. He played. <laughs> he played Billy Bones. Yeah, uh, <laughs> man. Um, oh my, I love that. Oh, I fifty men went ashore that day, and only one ever came out. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 but. Give him credit, you know, he actually looks like he's having a good time in that role. I mean, 100%. I mean, I'm sure Billy Connolly enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, how can you not, man? It's fucking Muppets. Having a of good course. time. Uh, you got you got Tim Curry there, too. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Muppet Christmas Carol. Um uh, Probably not the role that Michael Caine wants to be remembered by, but um, but it's the role that helped kind of save his career, though. Yeah, for sure. That led to his uh, resurgence in the '90s and in 2000. Yeah. Um. Uh, yeah, uh, Max von Sydow obviously continued to play villains throughout uh, the '80s, and then. Um, as we all know, eventually he, uh, I guess most people know him now through uh, Game of Thrones. He was the, he was the guy who was partially a tree, uh, you know, where the, <laughs> one of the Stark boys, uh, end up going past the wall. Yeah. The three eyed Raven, Max von Sydow, which is also yes. probably the character's name in Game of Thrones. I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah. The three eyed Raven. Yeah. 
Um, like, <laughs> and I guess if you haven't seen his other work, um, obviously see The Seventh Seal, um, The of Exorcist. Uh, three days of the condor three days of the condor uh wild strawberries uh flash gordon obviously yeah um well i mean you should probably see flash gordon anyway for uh the queen music flash ah savior of the universe (laughs) now is that epic or is that more epic or less epic than their work on a Highlander? Here we are, princes of the universe. We come to be the rulers of you all. Oh, that's Dude, man, that's so... the coolest shit ever. Queen, Queen was a fucking best, man. I know. Why couldn't they get Queen to do more soundtracks? They were awesome. Yeah. It's, uh, you got a gay a man of Indian descent being basically the biggest rock star in the world. Um, uh-huh. It's got all, all kinds of like bona fide hits. And um, well, I guess uh, the 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 Freddie Mercury movie is coming out soon with uh, Rami Malek as uh, Freddie Mercury. And it looks awesome. Hell yeah. It looks amazing. Um, who's actually doing the singing <laughs> to voice? See that. Um, I feel like it's one of those things where I'm sure for some scenes they might in like maybe like early Freddie Mercury, they might have Rami Malek doing the actual singing, but when it comes to the actual queen songs, they'll, they'll just have them like lip sync to Freddie Mercury's voice. Yeah. Cause come on, like nobody can sound like he Freddie had the Mercury. voice of the angels, man. He really did. It actually, no, there was one guy I felt like who could, uh, who could sing like Freddie Mercury. He's unfortunately deceased now too. Yeah. That was uh, George Michael. That is true. Um, I guess the, most people didn't know about his chops too much because I guess they just think of Wham. But yeah, George Michael, uh, also a really great singer. Yeah. A fantastic singer. Also, may he rest in peace. Yeah. Um. I guess most kids know about uh, George Michael because of that song. Which, which one? Fuck was it? Uh, 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 oh, what a uh, faith? No, fuck. Careless Whisper. Oh, Careless Whisper. Oh, yeah. Da, da. Yes, with that amazing sax solo. Yeah. Dude, the sax, the sax in the 80s had a bit of a hot run. Um obviously Oh, it was like on Careless Whisper. Um fuck was what was the other one? Uh Baker Street, obviously. 
Man Eater by Hall and Oates. Man Eater. Um, shit, am I forgetting a big one? Probably am. But yeah. Oh, uh, Smooth Operator by Sade. Oh man, Sade, dude. <laughs> yeah. Sade, Smooth <laughs> Operator. Um, even the boss, even even the boss used uh, sax in a lot of his music. He did. Oh, the legendary uh, Clarence Clemens. Yes. Yeah, dude. uh, This (laughs) this is so fucking stupid, but also like uh, it's like one of those weird things that only like I find funny. But like for the longest time, I thought Clarence Clemens was called Clarence Thomas. And, oh my god, and no. Every fucking time they talk about the Supreme Court and I was like, Oh shit, the sax player from the E Street band is a justice. <laughs> oh no. Oh god. <laughs> oh my god. No. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Why? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Wow! <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> yeah, I don't oh, think uh, I don't think we're gonna top that one with this episode. So it's, we'll probably just cut it there. <laughs> yeah, let's just let's just stop right there. <laughs> but, let's just stop right there. I don't yeah. think we can top that. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's basically uh, Escape from Victory, uh, Escape to Victory. Uh, John Houston movie that I guess five people watch, even though in the back in the day it made its more than its money back. Um, it's also a soccer movie people aren't really aware of. I guess uh, they would probably think of uh, I don't know, Bend It Like Beckham. Yeah. But um, honestly, for the both of us, uh, this is one of those things that uh, we watched. Uh, randomly as children and kind of stuck with us one uh it's kind of bizarre to to have stallone in this movie but two like we said uh gary fisher uh absolutely uh shot some incredible footy and (laughs) uh, yeah between this and um i guess the next time uh, where we're gonna keep the world cup fever going and talk about Talk about a piece of Hong Kong classic called Shaolin Soccer. Oh, it's legendary, and I can't wait to talk about it. Yeah. Um, Shaolin Soccer and Kung Fu Hustle. Two movies I watched uh, on vacation while I was in Singapore, I think. And I was like, holy shit, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) And I just happened to watch it randomly on Netflix back to back. One day, and I just said to myself, "Holy shit, this is so awesome, Stephen Chow! You're a genius." Yeah, yeah. It's a shame that like really not a lot of people have heard of these two movies, but if particularly even less have heard of Shaolin Soccer. I think. Mm-hmm. I know, right? That they need to see it. They need to see these films. Absolutely. They see. They seriously do. <laughs> I think they're still on Netflix. Uh, let me uh, let me take a look. If not, then they've got to be somewhere. Yeah, 
Pick it up uh, on Blu-ray. I'm sure the special effects are crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <clears throat> um, did, you ever, uh, did you ever watch that one called The God of Cookery? It's another Stephen Chow movie. I have never seen that one. Um, yeah, basically, uh, Stephen Chow um, is, is like this... Like he's like a Gordon Ramsay type, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like Iron Chef the movie, basically. Iron Chef the movie. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll definitely check it out. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I guess that's basically it. Um, any more final thoughts about? Um, escape to victory. Um, um, yeah, it's just you don't see a lot of uh, uh, World War II uh, soccer movies anymore. That's a, a genre you might want to think about br- bringing back, Hollywood. Yeah. Um, and you know what? Uh, let's, uh, let's take it back uh, 20, 30 years. Um, has anyone ever made a movie about the Christmas truce? I think they have. Yes, but I forget the name of it. Mm. Well, I think that's another uh it's another story that uh deserves more recognition. Yeah. Um you're right. Uh there there was a movie with the Christmas truce in it called Oh, what a lovely war. A British uh, comedy musical film directed by Richard Attenborough. Uh, the legendary, legendary Richard Attenborough. Yeah. And, of course, there's uh, uh, that episode of Black Adder uh, with the Christmas tree. <laughs> uh, Black Adder. Yeah. Well... Um, thanks for joining us for another episode of questions like this. Um, sorry for the long delay between episodes. Uh, we just went out uh, to buy some cigarettes and you know how that goes. Yeah. Sorry for the delay folks, uh, but you, you gotta understand we've, uh, us pretentious, uh, film critics have to have a smoke every now and then. Yeah. Um, go full on, uh, you know classic uh pipe smoking or cigar smoking yeah i I guess pipe smoking is much more like fucking like i don't know boston brahmin type of shit (laughs) yeah if for those uh, (laughs) we're just sitting around in our uh in our smoking jackets right now with a pipe in our hand and (laughs) yeah our slippers up just Mm, sitting by uh Sitting by a fire, just talking to you through this. Yeah, we got our we got our favorite, uh, you know, uh, eugenics book uh, on hand. We've got a glass of claret, <laughs> and uh, yeah, we should start speaking in a transatlantic accent. Yeah, yes, we should. We should all start talking like we're like we're George Plimpton or somebody. Like that, you know, someone who, even though he was born here, he was born in the UK. Yes. Howard, it's time yes. uh, 
It's time for my massage. Please uh, send in uh, the Irish slave. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. That's so terrible. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Uh, my name is Aristo. And I'm Alex. And join us next time for Shaolin Soccer, starring Stephen Chow. Take care, everyone. All right. Bye. Bye.